they can tell by the number of barks that the dog does in a minute if that cat is treated or not is what they told me. Right, because if he's hammering, it's bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang. And he goes, you want the good news or the bad news? And I said, well, give me the bad news. He says, the bad news is your cat is all the way up there. He says, the good news is it's treed. And so we had to walk all the way to the top. To of the that. top of the mountain. Yeah, to get it. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Well, it didn't work, Brad, because Brad's not here. Welcome to this <laughs> week's episode of Rolling Bones Outdoors. He's here virtually. No, because oh. I said it oh, wrong yes. anyway. Yes. We got to start over. No, welcome to this week's episode oh. of uh, of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. I've only said that 199 times today. Yeah. Well, since uh, whenever we started this in May of 2021. Yeah, whatever it was, a long time ago. Yeah. So anyway, let me do that again. Welcome to this week's episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, and thanks for coming into our bone cave. We have the great one and only, my brother. Um, he's a little bit more fit than me, uh, but we are about the same size, Craig Ryman. Um, he is here, and uh, we're going to talk about cat hunting. I got Brad Dana across from me, as always, but he's virtual this week. Because why, Brad? Why are you virtual? Because you guys both look angry, and I don't want to be table <laughs> as you. That's a good answer, Brad. <laughs> That's not a true answer. We might look angry. That might be true. Both have resting something face. I what think he's that? saying we have resting oh, yeah. ass face. <laughs> Why so mean? Why so mean? Yeah. Right. So, and, and then to my left, as always, we have bleep. So we do have uh, um, in-studio Craig, and we were looking forward to doing this all week long, but Brad is sick, and I asked him today if he would please not come in because he's had a fever for two or three days, and he does have the vid. I think he's got COVID and influenza A and influenza B. And uh, um, the trifecta. Yeah, and I think he's also got uh, um, Giardia. Oh, my word. <laughs> yeah. Really? I don't know. I don't really? have Giardia. Really? They have vaccines for that now. Yeah, they got a vaccine for everything. <laughs> I see on TV. Uh, I watched some. Uh, I watched the Packers on Sunday. I never. Oh, I'm them. sorry. Ooh. You better be careful. <laughs> I'm a fighting words. <laughs> You're a Vikings fan. Um, what's that? Are you a Vikings fan? No, I'm a Packers Bears fan. fan. Wisconsin. Oh, fan. Yeah. oh, oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, he played yeah. at the University of Wisconsin. I didn't trace Wisconsin. that back. Awesome. And he grew up what? 80 miles from Green Bay. Not too far. Yeah, 100. Probably 120. 120. Yeah. Did you watch a little? You watch football this weekend, Brian? I did. I watched the Packers on uh, Sunday, and um, did you watch the game last night? A little Michigan Big I, Ten versus Washington Big Ten. Well, I was on a Zoom with you until halfway through, and then uh, um, and then I did go home and watch the last half of it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that was good. Braver man than I. And then the Jackrabbits killed the Grizzlies too. I huh? watched that. Jackrabbits uh, whooping up on Grizzlies in the wild, do you? That's the, yeah, not too often. <laughs> but anyway, the Packers, uh, um, the Packers uh, pulled it off, huh? Packers look good. Jordan loves the man. 
He he really did look good. He did in the playoffs. He did. Holy smokes, did he fire the one in the end zone, the crossing pattern? He had a hole that big to fire that thing in there. I'd like to know how fast that football was on. The he's run. a top ten quarterback if you look at his stats. Wow. Yeah, he's he's. But you know what? Green Bay's always been known for building and developing and having a all star quarterback, huh? Three in a row. Wow. <laughs> I mean, only time will tell, but. Looking right. good. It's looking looking good right now. Well, and the good news is they play the Cowboys. So you know what? That, <laughs> always so good news I have, in the first round. I have a couple favorite teams. As a kid growing up, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then when I moved to Wisconsin, it's hard not to get you know sucked into the cheesehead movement. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. But my favorite team of all favorite teams, besides the fact that I have two favorite teams, and I do like the Packers. Besides that. There's the all-time favorite team of all-time favorite teams, and that's whoever is playing the Dallas Cowboys. Ah. <laughs> and mine well, is whoever so is playing which, the Vikings. Uh, which episode <laughs> of the Pat McAfee show is this anyway? I yeah, is, isn't that funny we're doing that? I will tell you this. I saw the most amazing meme today, and I don't want to piss off all my uh, – um, all my Minnesota friends, but I did build a financial services business based out of Minnesota and Wisconsin. And so I always use, I had a lot of fun with them. And because you guys truly know why the Packers are purple, right? Because if you the choke Packers? that many, no, I'm sorry, the Vikings are okay, purple. Right. Cause if you choke that many times, you'd be purple oh, too. Okay. <clears throat> All and, right. And you know what they call a Minnesota Viking with a Super Bowl ring, right? A, a thief. thief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, yeah. So now, go with that. N- now that we've cleared all that up, yeah. I saw a meme today. Uh, is it? Uh, what's that when you hurt yourself? Ma- a massa, uh, um, uh, masochistic. Masochistic. This Packer fan or this Viking fan gets on there and goes, "Most masochistic. How do you pronounce it? Masochistic. Masochistic people wear black and are goth, but not, not, not people that wear purple." We're we're Vikings fans. We like to either just barely get into the playoffs and limp in and never get a good uh, draft pick or not even make it and just always be right in the middle of the pack. And uh, we love losing. It was just funnier than hell I said it to you guys. Yeah, well, you know, they did lose four Super Bowls. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So anyway, let's talk about about, uh, hunting. Let's talk about hunting. Instead of football. I never even watch football, so let's talk about it. Jeez, get one game in you, and we devolve for a half hour. <laughs> it was one and a half. I it's a time of the year. Yeah, um, I always say, why would I watch football? It ruined uh, it ruined an ankle and messed up a knee. So, um, and uh, I feel it every time I go hunting. <laughs> and so, do you have that same problem? Don't you? I do, but I wouldn't trade it for nothing. All, nothing. No, I would have identified it as a girl, played volleyball, and uh, been an all-American college girls volleyball. Wow. Well, you can still. Identify as. No, they didn't oh. have that back then. Well, you know, no. They didn't have that back then. No. So I, that's a joke, everybody. Don't yeah, send me yeah, hate mail. Yeah. Okay. What, Brad, what, Brad. Go ahead. Brad, did you, you, you're you a little messed up from football too, aren't you? A little bit. You got a bad knee? Got a bad knee, bad shoulder. Yeah. I'm getting old though, man. I'm older than both of you. <laughs> True. When, when, did you, you? when did you? When did you? It doesn't help either. Oh. So when did you play it? Wisconsin, Craig. Uh, 87 through 91. So pre-Barry Alvarez? Barry was there my last year. Oh, okay. Last year you were yep. there, Barry's first year. At least yep. we got to infuse a little bit of Nebraska into you then. That's a step up. Oh, boy. 
Didn't Barry Alvarez come from uh, um, Mason City? He yeah. was a head coach at a high school in Mason City. Mason City, Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. And then he went to Iowa. And because we played against Mason City, and then he, he then if I remember right, he started his coaching career under the great Hayden, Hayden Fry. Fry. Yep. So I don't know where Nebraska – oh, wait, Nebraska recruited him so they could have some talent on their coaching staff oh, yeah. from Iowa. That's right. I forgot <laughs> that. So I was just making sure I was thinking right. Well, how the hell are we talking about football? <laughs> None of the listeners are – they're already tuned us out. 199, and you guys digress so far that it's not about hunting anymore. It's about the shitty sport of football. So <laughs> – did you know that Barry Alvarez coached at Lincoln High School? Did first? he really? In in uh, Lincoln? In Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska. And then no, in Lexington, Nebraska, Lexington High School. Well, there you go. So he, so he's a uh, Nebraska. He has some red and uh in his blood, red and white. So well, then there was a natural progression for him to go to uh to go on Wisconsin, right? And yeah. that's where he went. They do have a cool fight yeah, he, song. So listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump hard right out of football in into lion hunting. We're gonna talk about lion hunting today, and um, everybody at this table has killed a lion hunter uh, 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 outside of bleep. Um, er, we've all killed a lion and have been lion hunters. Um, and it's funny we're having this conversation because it is January 9th right now. And lion season is going on in the hills big time, yes. I will tell you this little bit of trivia. Brad was the first one in South Dakota when they reinstituted the season to kill a mountain lion. Well, that's what I was going to lead into. And I was the first one to interview him on the radio about that. There you go. So that's what I was going to say. Do you remember that, Brad? Do you remember that? Yeah, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Yep, it was that right after you harvested. I was going to open this up with tell us your story, Brad, about (laughs) the first lion because you you had a tag, if I remember right, you had a tag in your pocket and it was an opportunist hunt. Is that right? Yep. Okay, so tell us that story and then we're going to move on to uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Craig's um, Boone and Crockett uh, animal that he harvested last year. Well, I was, uh, yeah, I had a tag. It was, they did it differently back then. It started early and I was cow elk calling and I called in two lions and uh, I picked the one that was walking closest right to me and shot it, shot it. And it turned out to be a female The the other, the other lion was apparently according to uh, game fish and parks would have been her cub. They were, they were essentially the same same size. I think she was about an eighty four pound female, something like that. And uh, yeah, and then I I because you had you had to bring the whole cat in. You had to check them in, and I was I was way back in the back country. And I remember getting out that night, and Dave was hunting with me, and we called in a couple more lines that night. So we have a lot of lions here. So, but we've called in. A lot of lions over the years so that was a no a no dog hunt that was just uh mouth calls it was cool though it was an adventure and then if i remember right you shot another one that was a giant one and then it had a collar is that right yeah i missed a bigger one the day before how far away was it oh it was probably uh it was probably about 240, 50 yards. And why would you miss it? Well, I because I left my my normal sticks. I lost them during elk season that year. My cross sticks, and I grabbed the brim maki, goofy ones, 
and they squeaked and he stopped and he stopped in a bad spot and i i hit a tree it was right right in front of him i just nicked the tree so I have to tell you, those same shooting sticks ruined um, a big buck for me. Um, I and I'm not making excuses, but we hunted a deer. We put him to bed in some some uh, in in some draws, and it was just just right outside the Badlands. And we hiked in there, hour and forty five minutes. Got on this buck, had him set up, 190 yards, and he. He, when he got up, he didn't get up the way we thought he was going to get up. He ran up the top of a Badland wall on a ridge ready to go over. And I had to throw the guns up, uh, the gun up on those sticks. And the handle on those, those are the, if they're the ones that I, we call the brim boxes, the, those yep. are the primos, right? And yeah, the ones that squeeze it yep, and they yep. drop. The problem is that that head is not tight. It's not like the stony sticks where you set the rifle in the saddle, and the only thing that moves is you with the rifle. There's a creep to it. There's, there's a, it's like a ball bearing in there that spins, and there's a wobble. And so you think you got it braced tight, and it can creak back and forth, and uh, it significantly affected my ability to uh, connect with that big mule deer. And uh, it, it was so much so that the sticks were donated permanently in several pieces from me throwing a childish fit um, to the Badlands of South Dakota. So just want to. Yeah, I've never used those Brim Maki since. <laughs> I, I think that I still have them probably somewhere because I don't throw all my stuff away like you do. I, I'm a collector, <laughs> I guess. But You are a collector of shit and I get rid of it. I'm not a hoarder at all. So hey, You get rid of it even when you don't, when you still need it sometimes. So Craig, you're being pretty quiet here. Just listening. How did uh, um, so? What what made you go? Oh, hey, one day I want to kill a lion, and then I I know you know obviously you came in and uh, you said I want a big lion. We hooked you up. Tell us about it. Well, I've had I've got several mounts in the house, and my wife said that the only thing that I could get mounted anymore would be a big cat. Oh, really? Yeah, she was. So this was a spousal induced. Uh, um, hunt. It was. It was the one animal she said that if I shoot a big cat that I could mount it and put it in the house. And so you called us, came in one day and said, dude, I need a big cat. I need a big cat. <laughs> so I was the, th I, apparently they get like three tags up there in Alberta and I was number three on the list for a non-resident tag. Yep. And so I had to be on call and he called me on a Saturday and said, can you be up here to hunt on Monday? And I jumped in my truck and drove 14 hours, got up there Sunday night, had a little dinner with them, got up the next morning at 4.30 in the morning and went scouting for tracks. We had fresh snow and went out looking for tracks and probably 6.30 in the morning we cut a big track and went back to, back to camp, got everybody together and got the dogs and off we went. So you didn't have the dogs in the boxes? Not originally in the morning when we went out looking to cut a big track. Did they split up? Was there two, three different um, units looking for different tracks? There was. There was four groups, and they went every direction. Yep. And and you were in the truck that found the big track? Yeah, we were actually on a four-wheeler with tracks and cut it. We were the ones that cut it. How and cold it, was it? It wasn't cold. It was probably 20 Really? Yeah, it was nice. And it was still dark. And then we went back to 
the lodge or whatever, and everybody got together, and they said, do you want some breakfast? I said, no, let's go get that cat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're you're like, let's go get this thing. It it amazes me, uh, the the cat I killed, and we can talk about it a little later. Um, It was with dogs, too, and they said the same thing. I got there, and they're like, but they had cut the track, and they were like, so do you want to go, what do you want to do? You going to grab a little lunch before we go up? And I'm like, hey, Let's have a sense of urgency to this. Year. Yeah, I mean, I came up here to hunt. I said I got the rest of my life to eat. I, I can eat after the cat. So you, so you, you got all together, got the dogs out there. Tell us what happened. Everybody got back together, and they grabbed the dogs, and they probably had seven dogs. They had three of their main dogs, and then they had four young dogs that they were training. So they had them all collared up and. It was pretty interesting because you could watch the dogs. They had their cell phones out, and they could watch the dogs on the phone. And they let the dogs loose, and it ran. They ran all the way to the top of this. Well, it was the Rocky Mountains, essentially, and it ran up to the top. And the wind up there was blowing probably thirty-five, forty miles an hour. So the dogs couldn't. They couldn't find that track because the snow had dri- covered the tracks, and so we probably spent two hours trying to sort it out and get the dogs back on that on that track and when they finally did we tracked that cat 13 miles really that so that's not very typical you know that because big cats lose their lungs fast yeah 13 miles we well, we started on him probably. Big Craig's lose their lungs fast too on 13 miles, don't they? Yeah, well, trust me, I didn't walk 13 <laughs> miles, but I would have. But thank God I didn't have to. But the because uh, how tall are you? Six four. Six four. Yeah, and uh, um, and you're what do you weigh? Well, when I was on that hunt, I weighed 270. 270. So you're bigger than me. You know, today I'm today I'm only 260, but. But anyway, they, they got back on that. <laughs> you like that? I just slid that. I know. I, I would do. say we're comparable in size. We are. People get us confused in town all, uh, all the time. But 13 miles. 13 miles, yeah. Wow. And there were several. We, they thought they had that cat where they wanted it, and we got out of, off the snowmobiles and started walking, and then that cat would move again. And he probably did that three times, and – it was 3.30 when we finally treat him. Then you were wishing you had had breakfast. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was, it was interesting. And when, when they finally, they can tell by the number of barks that the dog does in a minute if that cat is treated or not is what they told me. Right, because if he's hammering, it's bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang. And he goes, you want the good news or the bad news? And I said, well, give me the bad news. He says, the bad news is you're cat is all the way up there he says the good news is it's treed and so we had to walk all the way to the top to of the that. top of the mountain yeah to get it <laughs> and you're already at elevation oh yeah what is it like six thousand feet probably i think it was yeah and probably went up to six probably 68 or seven right almost a thousand vertical feet to get yeah. up there and your cat was up there and he was there yeah and what'd you shoot him with shot him with an old savage 99 lever action <laughs> a boy. <laughs> wanted to shoot, nostalgia. I wanted to shoot him with a bow, but I just couldn't get the angle where he was. It was so thick, and the trees were so thick. And the way he was laying, he, there was a huge – he was laying right on a big limb, so there was just no way to get an arrow in there. And 
so I shot him with the Savage 99. Now, those dogs were wearing the collars that you you were saying you could watch them on the phone. They were keeping track of where the dogs were. Yep. They always, so what's they, the range of those things? It's got to be miles. Yeah, I was going to say, man. Miles. If they could see that, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because these guys are mainly sheep hunters. Hmm. And they were all young, you know, and here comes this 50-plus guy. <laughs> and it was kind of funny when I walked. And they're little – and just so everybody knows, Errol, the listeners, they're built like sheep hunters too, okay, because we send uh, – Jim Bonanno has killed sheep with them. Uh, Scott Palmer has killed sheep with them. Um, the, these guys are built for the, the high mountain, remote wilderness hunting, and they are scrawny, lanky – Run up the mountain, sheep hunters. Oh, there wasn't one guy that weighed over 150 pounds. <laughs> wow. Exactly. They are built like the two-legged version of a bighorn or a doll sheep. And they just wow. – And they're 23. And they're 23. 23. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so they drink whiskey and chase sheep. Yeah, and, actually, one of them was a woman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah. she had dogs. And well, cool. And is it – anyway, um, so I, I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. So she, you, you went up there. Oh, I mean, it, 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 you were the size of two of them. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty funny when I when the first when I first met the, my contact there. I mean, the first thing he said to me, he goes, "Obviously, you work out," but he goes, "How's your cardio?" <laughs> how, how deep was the snow you were moving through? Probably two feet. Yeah, so knee high, thigh high. Yeah, yeah. two feet, which is an aerobic workout like crazy. But I tell you, it was to my advantage because these guys were all pretty small, and. It was all blow downs. I mean, it was miserable. Wow. And probably one of the toughest day hunts I've ever My been on. Yep. And, but every step that I took, they had to take three. And wow. it's a cardio workout. So the, the cat I killed was in a very similar situation. And we got it, and it was cliffed out on a huge canyon. And it was just right out from the cliff. And we walked up to it, and he's like, good news is, is we got your cat right there if you want to shoot him. The bad news is we're not getting out of here sometime until the middle of tomorrow morning. Um, and I was like, really? And he goes, and it's supposed to get cold tonight, and we're not going to be able to pull this off without sweating. And what you just exactly – it was one of the hardest hunts physically. Oh, it was. It was, it was <laughs> definitely a lot of work. Huh. You know, and the interesting thing – like that. I thought you'd like that blowdown stuff. That's why we went where we did that one day elk hunting with you. Yeah, that that was a fun walk too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could have gone a shorter route that day yeah. too, but I mean, it was the funny thing is is though you're so excited to get there and you can hear those dogs and you just keep walking and walking and walking and those dogs aren't getting any closer. <laughs> Exactly. And your enthusiasm stays up because you're like, I know they're right there. I know they're right there. I know that it's it's like it's it's like driving into Cheyenne uh, when you're 90 miles or 200 miles away and you can see the lights twinkling and then you go down another and you're like, holy shit, I'm never going to get to Cheyenne. Exactly. So you were prepared to go either bow or rifle. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to go bow because 90% of everything in my house has been shot with a bow. Oh, I see. Okay. But it just didn't work out. and It was kind of fun to shoot it with an old Savage 99, though. You know, open sights. <laughs> oh, classic. Yeah. Three. When you got up to it, you knew it was, I mean, what they say? Like, that's a giant. Because it's a giant. Because how big, how big was, I mean. He, 170 pounds. 170-pound cat. Yep. And, and he's book. He's got a giant melon on yep. it. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, I mean, I got some great pictures on my phone that I took before I harvested them. And I mean, that's pretty exhilarating when you see your cat sitting up there in the tree. That's a big animal. It's a big, big cat. Big cat. It's a whole different thing. Now, do they have, uh, um, they have Canadian lynx there? Yeah, I didn't see any. They got wolves up there, too. They got wolves up there, too. The thing about northern, so BC and Alberta, in our opinion, are the biggest cats right now being harvested. Now, there's big cats in New Mexico right now. Um, you know, southern Colorado has big cats. Northern New Mexico has big cats. Um, and we just had a client kill a giant yesterday um, there. Um, probably, and I say giant, 165, 170. But that's the top end of cats. Guys that say they killed 200-pound cats. Um, I'm not saying that there's not a 200-pound cat, but those are far and few between. You know what I'm saying? And so is a 170-pound cat. I mean, this cat, you know, when I held him up, I mean, I'm 6'4", and he was taller than I was. All of you. Yeah. Yeah. Plus however long that tail is, too. So, But you wanted a big cat, so we, we decided between BC and Alberta, we chose here. These guys, like you said, are in a limited tag scenario, so we booked the hunt. You went up there. Um, and uh, got there within one day. They knew snow was coming. They found a big cat track. And how many hours later? 3 o'clock in the afternoon from 3 o'clock in the yeah. morning. So, so 12 hours from the time you left the cab into the time you killed him. I mean, yeah, I left here on a Saturday, and I was back at my house on Monday. <laughs> That's the benefit of being on call with those guys. You know? Or excuse me, I was back on Tuesday. Tuesday. I mean, yep. Drove up Saturday, hunted, got up there Sunday, and shot him on Monday and was back home Tuesday. Ain't that something? I mean, that doesn't happen very often. How big was that second cat you shot? The first one was a female, right, Brad? Yep. The second one, I think, was 165 pounds. So it was a big one, too. Yeah, the one I missed the day before was bigger, though. I mean, it was a fair amount bigger. Really? So you're thinking it was a 180 pound cat? It was. I bet 180 plus. But you had 20 pounds of something, and it's going to look a lot bigger. I can tell you that looking at that cat up in the tree, I mean, I, it was a no brainer. I mean, right? You were like, "Holy shit!" And and yours? Did you see the collar before you shot yours, Brad? Um, yeah, because I called him. He was looking right at me. How far was that I shot? Oh, it was probably 100 yards. 100 yards, and he came in, he's looking uh, It was right probably up. a little bit more than 100 yards. And you and shot, shot him up the frontal? I shot him up the stupid, same stupid sticks, actually, because I, I didn't replace. I didn't have several sets of sticks like I do now sitting around. I had the – so I shot him. Yeah, I shot him right in the throat, you know, and just tanked him. And then how the far – seven men. And then you had to haul him out. How far did you have to haul him out? I just had to haul him. You know, it was just down. He was down at the bottom of the canyon. I shot him. I was on. I was up top. And how far off? Um, of, how far off a two track were you? Oh, not very far. It was. It the hard part was just carrying him up because, you know, for me he was. He, he, I had to. I remember I grabbed the collar on and I'd just get underneath him, and I and it was it wasn't it wasn't bad. It was just you know just a lot of work. One hundred and sixty five pounds. It's like it's like yeah. hauling a man out 165 pounds up a hill. It, it's the hard part is getting him on your shoulders, you know. I mean, it, they're just awkward. And they're solid muscles. What I noticed when I killed 
the, the, cat the first one mine was the first 98 one pound was female hour. what's that the first one I carried three hours. You carried the first one three hours. hours. And yeah. what what was she? How big? Eighty pound female? Ninety pound? Female? I think she was eighty. I think she was eighty four, if I remember right, something like that. Wow. And yours was one hundred and seventy five. One hundred and seventy. Mine was ninety three pounds. We took it to Colorado, weighed it, and they're like, "This is what they told me at fishing game." The guy he goes, "Congratulations, appreciate you killing this." Now, this is the fishing game. This is not a woke. Um, Colorado, let some God bless it. Uh, um, gang, uh, um, what are they called? Wolves. Wolves. Go. Yeah, thank you. So this guy was a young guy and a hunter, and he said, well, first of all, I want to tell you, the ranchers appreciate the state of Colorado, appreciate you harvesting this cat. And I said, well, it's not the biggest cat, but it's my first cat, and I really appreciate it, and it was a lot of fun. And I got out at uh, 3.50 this morning. Um, I got out, and I was back at the hotel by 4.40. And um, he goes, oh, it was an all-nighter. I said, we killed it, and, and it went down the deepest, nasty canyon, and we either had to go out eight miles or go straight back up and then three miles to the thing. And he goes, you were out there in that last night, and it got down to 36 below zero that night. Ooh. And so I was like, yep. And he, so he was all excited, and this is what he told me. He said, the females are the big killers the, and the young toms. The cats between the mature cats between 80 and 120 pounds do they do all the killing. A lot of the big toms in the in, in an area like where they're at, they've tracked them. That they will just wait on a they they will know where there's a kill and the females are, and they just walk in and and knock them off. Does that make sense? They they just hit the you know push the females off the young toms. They run them off because they you know they're so imposing with their size. Yeah, but they thank you, <laughs> right? <laughs> I but, appreciate the help. <laughs> that's exactly what they say. This is what he told me. Now I don't know, you know, the truth to that. Uh, some of you listening probably might be able to give us a comment. You know, send us if you if you're a big time cat hunter, we'd love to know that. But this is the feedback we got from Fish and Game and the guys who we used in Colorado. And um, and I know the guy who we use in Colorado, uh, he trains dogs for people all over the world. And he's got an amazing bloodline that they come in and get his dogs. Um, but it was pretty incredible. It was an ama- It was more of an adventure than I thought it was going to be when I left that afternoon. And they told me to get down here because we'll go kill a cat. I think anybody that wants to kill a cat, I mean, they will not be disappointed. You had the same sentiments. I it was, do. It was an amazing adventure. It was. It was, it was tough, though. I mean, it was – you know, I had 10 days to hunt, and I don't think I could have done it for 10 days. Right. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i in pretty good shape, but I, well, those mountains were pretty rough on me walking through that snow. Funny thing is, is Dr. David Cooley, um, God rest his soul, um, we sent him up there not far from where you were, and he, uh, um, he was in, on the British Columbia side, and he killed a giant cat too, but he had the same comments that the timber at that you know latitude is so thick it's just a it's a it's a dense dense forest well i probably fell down 25 times walking up there to that cat when he was up in the tree because everything's covered in snow so you can't see it and you step down and it's slippery and down Mm. you go and it's thick and steep thick and steep (laughs) you're literally grabbing shit Pulling yourself up half the time. Oh, I mean, and, you know, these guys, they took off ahead of me. And, of course, snow on the ground, you can track them. So, I mean, it's not hard following them. And, 
he goes, it's going to be cold, you know, when we come back down. And, you know, they're all putting all these heavy clothes on. And I got a long sleeve T-shirt on. I said, don't, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. <laughs> you know, because I knew I was going to sweat like a pig going, oh my God. going up there. That's exactly what I did. I was sweating so huh. bad. It was ridiculous. I was just dripping it's so much work you can't even imagine it 36 below oh dude well that was the crazy thing so they went back in to get the tracked uh four-wheelers and i stayed with the cat and they said we'll come back and get you and are you okay are you dry and um the guy had a hoodie and he goes you just need to take your all your clothes down throw this hoodie on and then put all your clothes back on over the hoodie because this hoodie's dry and um and that's what i did he had a big old carhartt hoodie um and he threw it at me and i put the carhartt hoodie on and then put all my clothes back on over it and uh um i had the bibs i had those king's bibs those xkg bibs and the big white heavy jacket parka they had and i just put that back on over that dry hoodie and i was fine it was, it was just clear as a bell, colder than hell, and no wind, which was awesome. So I just stood up on that mountain with a dead cat next to me um, <laughs> in the snow waiting for him to come back, and it took about two and a half hours. And wow. Yeah. So. That's the hard part. The weather is usually the hard part because you're always – it seems like you, you work hard enough that you sweat. You, you don't want a ton of clothes on then, but you got to pack the clothes with you. Yeah, because it is. It's interesting, and these cats are in the steepest shit on planet Earth. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the dogs had trouble getting through that stuff. Thus, thirteen miles. Yeah, I mean, it was not a easy hunt. Wow, that's interesting, but it was well worth it. Every penny. Did you eat any of your lion, Craig? I did not. I wish I would have. You oh. know, I left the I left the next morning. You know, because yeah. Nothing less, nothing else. My second lion, I did it all in jerky. And it was actually pretty dang good. Well, my outfitters, they were excited that they got to keep it. Are you kidding me? No, because they they told me it was their second favorite. Right behind sheep, let me guess. No, right behind uh, caribou was their favorite. Oh, wow. So I have to tell you, I subscribe to the caribou thing as long as you don't kill the caribou and rut. Oh, yeah. Because caribou sit there, when they start rutting, they they just gulp their own piss up. You know what I'm saying? And they just ingest it. And and they're always behind those cows when they're peeing and they're just consuming that. And I've had caribou that was killed during the rut or after the rut. And then I've had soft horn caribou where they're in velvet. And caribou is absolutely, in my opinion, the best. I mean, it's it's as good as sheep, if not better than sheep. Mm. Our desert bighorn was good your uh, mountain or your uh rocky bighorn from wyoming brad sucked not good at all bad it was terrible yeah it was bad hmm. that was the only bad sheep i've ever had why the yeah. difference dude i don't know because brad shot it oh <laughs> okay i wasn't gonna go there <laughs> Yeah, because so. I, I did. I mean, I think it was in my pack 10 hours. We packed it out for 10 hours that day, and then it was a couple-hour horseback ride once we got to the horses. So it was – I don't know. Yeah. So how, how do you process a lion? I mean, what do you, you – with do a you knife, like anything else? With a knife. You usually know, cut them up with a knife, bleep, and then uh, – I like a steel, too. It kind of keeps the knife sharp. <laughs> and just No, so, so honestly, a lion is a lot like a, a bear 
or a hog. Okay. I mean, and they're a white meat on top of it. So they are a white meat. Um, or I shouldn't say a white meat, but they're like pork. They're a light-colored meat. Yeah. And, uh, um, and so you just process them just like you do anything else. They have back straps. Okay. They have hind legs, front shoulders. But I, I have a hard time. So I've eaten bear, too, and I've processed a lot of bear. Uh, having our butcher shop in northern Wisconsin, you're always processing bear. I'm not big on anything that eats other meat. Yeah, carnivores. Yeah, I'm just not there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not about it. I'm well, not, the, I'm the not jerky, a bear eater either. Jerky technique is good because you cook it. I mean, you, it gets, you know, the other way, I, I've eaten lion just cooking it. And, you know, you got to cook it thoroughly. And, well, and that's, it can carry trichnosis, so you got to get it over. Yeah. Well, they, you want to hold it somewhere in the 160s, but 143 or 147 kills trichina. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I would think an old lion, first of all, to me, cats are the toughest animal on planet earth have you ever grabbed a house cat and the son of a bitch didn't want to be grabbed oh yeah they're mean they're mean and they're all one mu- i mean it's a muscle right it just it it they will climb on you and tear you up they're like the tasmanian devil so now i add 174 pounds to a house cat and that's what you killed or 160 pounds to a house cat and they're just one big strapping piece of muscle so when you pull the hide off they look like kind of like a like a weird human <laughs> And just like all shredded up, and I'm like, I ain't eating that shit. They don't look as weird as a bear. No, bears look like humans, don't they? Yeah. Laying there, bears do yeah. look like humans. I don't eat bears either. People are like, you want some bear? I'm like, nah, I'm good. I so, what does a lion taste like? A lion. Okay. Oh wait. Well, don't chicken. say chicken. Don't. <laughs> hey, say come chicken. on. No, no, you no. stepped in that bucket. No, I would say you say pork or something. Mild, it's got a mild taste. That's what they said. I mean, I didn't eat it, but they they said it tastes like pulled, yeah. tastes like pulled pork. Okay, yeah, I could yeah. Sort I could of see, see that. that. Yeah. I could see it tasting like pulled pork. I, I can see me not eating it. Mm. How long did you say it took you to get the lion back? Did you guys have snow machines? We did. Could they get the machines up to it? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> oh my God, I wish. <laughs> so it was a drag push pull. We carried back. it out. They actually carried. they carried they tied it on a stick and. I carried the front, and they carried the back. Wow. And we carried it out because going through all those blowdowns, I didn't want the pelt all Beat up. jacked up. And you got it at the, in my opinion, the best cat taxidermist in the United States. He's sitting there right now. He's there. He's there. <laughs> he is there right <laughs> now. Uh, Leland, just so everybody knows, we normally don't give giant shout-outs on here, but he's a great friend of ours. He's done a lot of work for us. Um, and uh, um, his name is Leland Reiners. And um, not Ryman, but Reiners. And he is from Craig, Colorado, and it's Big Cat Taxidermy. And uh, he makes a cat look like it's going to jump off the uh, limit that he mounts it on and tear you a new one. <laughs> I can't wait. Really? Uh, so cool. You haven't seen it yet. No, he, no. he just got it. I mean, it, oh, took, okay. it took almost a year to get the CD pass to get it. Right, to get it back get it, yeah. to ship it. Yep. Isn't that I had, something? I had a kid that was sleeping <laughs> was sleeping overnight or something, and it was dark when he got in. He woke up, and he looked up, and my lion's right ahead. And he started screaming. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's a, a, a real, man. <laughs> oh, that's a great picture. A little nightmare. You'll have to give that yeah, to Yeah, you got to send that to me. I want to put that in. Yeah. The, in well, the, that's uh, pretty thumbnail. cool, Craig. 
Yeah, the, the, would you? I know you've killed a cat and you're a bucket list guy, but would you do it again? I would. Yeah, I would. And then mount maybe mount the other one with this one somehow. Have him just add to the mount. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely. It would have to be an archery kill now for sure. This is big on my bucket list to kill. He has my female, um, and it's big on my bucket list to kill a big male because I'd like to have a big male on the same mount as a female. Huh? And, uh, um, but it seems like every year something gets in the way. Look at the size of the freaking tail on that sucker. I know. That's bigger than your arm. It's huge. And your arm's, you know, the size of, well, a little bit bigger than an average guy. <laughs> Holy cow. That's its tail. I couldn't figure out what I was looking at. Oh, look at its melon. Beautiful animal. Wow. Oh, it's got beautiful man. markings on its face. Yeah, beautiful oh, wow. markings. So how did you bring yourself to killing such a godly, beautiful species, Craig? Well, you know, they told me that that cat right there kills 50 deer a year. And you went, usually, uh, it's usually a combination of breathing control and trigger control. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it to Brad to give I, him this simple answer. Uh, did, yeah, yeah, that's you the only that. time he gives a you simple answer. <laughs> so there's no ballistic uh, coefficients involved in shooting that cat at that distance there, Brad? Well, it just depends on how far the shot is, I guess. Right here, look. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you know what? It's easy to screw that shot up, too, isn't it? Straight up. It is. I mean, it... <laughs> yeah, especially when you're breathing after a three-hour hike straight up in the, in the, uh, right. into the mountains. Wow. So, yeah, you'll have to give that to yeah. get these over because and, – and you know what? I'll put those on. I'll put those on social media tomorrow, too. Um, um, send these again and we'll, uh, we'll get these put out on social media. Um, letting the world know that we're going to have, uh, this will be the podcast next week. Um, that's a that's, big, it is lion. a beautiful animal. It's just like, if you're looking for a big line, you got to get a hold of us. We have three boutique outfitters. They don't take a lot of people. They're not running lines every day, but they're one houndsman and two, they're mountain men. And I think to be good, and maybe you guys can speak to this, but to be good in this area, you got to be a little bit of both. You got to be a good houndsman. You got to be a good mountain man. These guys, I mean, they are, they would do anything that it took to get a cat. Which is a great feeling when you're spending the money to go into a hunting camp, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, they're not, they want to go, go, go. I mean, they would go, they would have they would hunted 10 days to find a cat for me. Right. And, yeah, that's just crazy. We're just so everybody knows we're looking at the pictures of it, and I've seen these and every time I see them. So, so obviously, you heard um, uh, Craig's 6'4 and uh, 270 and, uh, um, and is in great physical shape. Still works out. How many times a week do you work out on average? Five days a week. Five days a week. And uh, um, big guy, played linebacker for University of Wisconsin um, and uh, is an amazing client of ours. And uh, um, but more than more importantly than that is an incredible hunter. How big was your whitetail this year? Just under 190. Just under 190 with a bow. How many days did you sit for him? Got there October 22nd and shot him on November 8th. <laughs> so you literally and you knew he was there and you just just waited it out. Just waited. How many bucks did you pass up? Until you squeeze the trigger or let the arrow fly on him, fifty, fifty bucks. And what was the what was the biggest one you had to pass up before you killed the one eighty nine? 
passed up a six by five that was 155, 160. So you sat there and watched big buck after big buck walk by until this one made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and you got him. And I got him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it happens about once every three years. And how many how many days do you think you spent bow hunting this year between South Dakota? Uh, well, actually, just hunting. Oh. 100. 100. Exactly. So well, just to put it in perspective, what type of outdoorsman – uh, that's you know on the podcast tonight uh, oh yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, it's it's crazy you know wow. um 100 days in the field and on on uh, um on a list of your top adventures where does this one rate oh top two top oh, two nice nice yeah top uh, two. what was number what was number one? Oh, i mean <laughs> I, I, shooting a 203 whitetail is probably on the top of my top oh, of my list right now that's rare 203 whitetail yeah yeah. That's once in a lifetime. And yeah. the cool thing about that, that was in Alabama. Oh, really? No way. <laughs> it was not in Alabama. <laughs> okay, it was an Iowa buck. Thank you. Because Wisconsin doesn't have that big a box, do they? Do yeah. they, Craig? Once in a while, they have a big one. <laughs> <laughs> no, Craig's got a place in Buffalo County. It's registered more Boone and Crockett uh, whitetails than any other county in the nice. United States. Is that not true? It's well, very true. Yeah. I'm, it, ver I'm very fortunate that I have that piece of ground. Oh. And and you hunt it every year. You manage it. You don't kill little animals. Pass up anything under four. So nothing nothing four or under gets killed. Nope. So it's got to be five to eight year old bucks. Yeah, this buck this year was six and a half. <laughs> six and a half years old, and yeah. you killed him. Sweet. What's your favorite part of lion hunting um, there, Brad Dana? Uh, you know, it was exciting when I did it. It's it's uh, the way I do it. You know, calling them in is time consuming, so I don't do it much anymore. And, so why do um, you call them so much? What, um, why do you call them? Can you explain to our audience why you're calling? Because I got to tell you something. Um, I've called 72 days for Lions. I um, uh, I had to get my call to uh, um, uh, to Darren Cooper today because he wants to go lion hunting. And I patted him on the shoulder and I said, good luck, brother. Um, I got 72 days on the mountain and uh, calling, and I've called in one lion 500 yards away, and he sat there and looked at me in the brush, and I couldn't get him to move any further, and so I had no shot opportunity. Um, and I saw one other lion running away from me. Um, it got scared shitless and ran out of a den because I was right on top of it. So, you know, 72 days, 73 days of lion hunting, but why do we have to call them? Brad. Well, here they don't allow you to use dogs for some, you know, it's all politics. It's like everything else. It's like letting damn wolves loose in Colorado, I guess. Right. But yeah. so here uh, there's the, the park down South. You can, you can get a permit and use dogs. And I think they had to do that because there were so many lions down there when they tried to sedate the cows, they were literally killing the cow elk. As soon as they dart them, the lions were. So no way. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. They would uh, they would try to do these studies on these cow elk, and they darted them from a helicopter. <clears throat> the first couple they darted, ding, lions jumped on them and killed them. So then they started hazing the lions off. So anyway, I think I think that's why the population, the park population, got so bad is because. Lions are so thick down there. That's my that's that's a personal 
hypothesis. But. So then they got so thick that they said, okay, you can run dogs in the park, yep. but nowhere outside the park. Right. So that's the way they do it here. So you just, you know, I mean, a lot of people, I know there's some guys, I think they've, I think a couple guys have gotten in trouble. Um, I thought Mike Applin told me that they would kill deer and, and bait them, bait lions, you know, but I mean, most, most of the time here, uh, you're doing a lot of, I called cause that was the way I found it to be most successful. You, I could try tracking them too, but that, you know, same deal, January, February, it's cold. You're trudging through snow up and down and, you know, it just wears you out. It just, it's just hard, really physically demanding. And then, you know, you get sweated up, you try to stop you get cold. So that's the way I do it is I, I, I would just call. So no dogs. That's the deal. And, and you called that big lion in and killed him. What time of year was that? Oh, I think it was January. So you killed him in January after I the think, New Year's? I, I, I don't know. It was a long time ago. I think so. How far from town were you when you killed that collared lion, the big one? No, oh, I was, I was, um, you know, for both of my lines that I shot, I was five miles from my house here. So five miles, and and we've had lion. Well, all three of us live in, all four of us live in Spearfish. We had a lion yeah. right here next to the grade school this last year. Well, oh, my old man. house, I had neighbors that had fifty cats or something. I don't know. She was a cat lady, and oh, man. there was a lion that broke into their house and killed a bunch of her cats. Oh my goodness! And <laughs> they ended up shooting. Remember that cliff right behind my house? Yep. Mm -hmm. They ended up getting, uh, and I don't know if it was Tanner, but they had the state, the guy with all the dogs. Yep. Came and uh, actually one of the dogs was trying to tackle that lion behind my house and he fell off of that cliff. But they shot that, that same lion behind my house. Well, it's funny because, um, so I had called behind your house many times and um because that whole canyon that runs up in the u.s forest service and then yep. that canyon goes up and then i think it's aspen hills is on the right hand side of it or on the southwest side as you're going yeah. south or on the west side right um south east, right, I think, yeah yeah and then and then mountain plains was up yep. where mountain plains one and two well there was always right. cat sightings up there and i remember right. i remember when we moved into town lucas came running into the house and he is must bring i don't know he's four or five at the time we moved in here when he was four so we might have been here a year and he goes um dad dad there's a great big abbey down at the bottom of the um hill and i go where and he goes the sledding hill and I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, he goes, no, it's great big. And I go, oh, how big's big? And he goes, as big as our dog. And I was like, <laughs> no way. And so I ran, I, I ran out there, and I was, immediately knew it was a lion. And he was right. out playing. So I ran out there, and um, all I saw was something running like crazy. Like, you know, I didn't know if it was a lion or a deer or whatever because we had a lot of deer up there. And um, – and, but – those lions were in there well probably about five years later four years later Noah and I are coming up and uh um and it's middle of January and it's snowing there's a snowstorm coming in 
And Lindley said, go to town and get some groceries. We're going to be locked in up here for three, four days. So I'm like, okay. So I go to town. We're coming back up the hill in Mountain Plains 1. And you know where that, that loop is that goes around where, like, Bob Fercucci's place is? Yeah. You, you know where I'm talking? Yeah. So we had just went past there, actually by Susie's old house. You know, you, right. I mean, you were up there a bunch as a young buck rutting around. So anyway, um, <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah. Susie. Yeah. So anyway, by Susie's old place in Mountain Plain 1, um, yep. we're driving, and you know, the snow's coming down, the lights are on there. Boom, a deer comes flying across right in front of me, and a lion comes, a giant lion comes flying right behind it. And I'm like, holy smokes, Noah goes, and I just stepped on it, right? I'm like, wow. And Noah goes, what are you doing, Dad? And I said, I'm going to back up and run around. He's going to cut across that corner. So I went back down the hill, and I I backtracked to follow that loop because I figured he had to come across there. Well, Noah goes, right there's that deer, Dad, or there's another deer. And that deer is running right at, right now at Lindley's SUV coming right at me. And I see the lion jump on the deer, tackle the damn deer. Like, it, like, it would have been like you, Wisconsin linebacker. <laughs> Tackling you. Cheerle- not like me. <laughs> Come on, brother. <laughs> it would have been like you knocking out a cheerleader. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, just like rolled that deer up in one second and had it by its throat. And it wasn't from here to the door in front of the lights of my truck is where that deer landed. And the deer's like, you know, just making its death moan. And I get out of the truck, and I didn't have my truck. I had Lindley's SUV. Otherwise, I'd had a pistol in there. Um, And I'm like, I go, hey, cat, hey, cat, get off that deer. Hey, cat. And he has no – he's just looking at me out the side. He's got that deer down. And finally, you were an annoyance to him. What's that? What's that? You were an annoyance to him. 100%. It was deliberate. Interrupting my meal, brother. <laughs> that cat was very deliberate in its actions. It let that, it finally lifted its head up, picked its paws up off of that deer and let it run. And it turned and it squared off to me. And Noah's like, Dad, you need to get back in the truck. You need to get back in the truck. And I go, hey, lion, get out of here. Get out of here, lion. It did not run. It turned. It walked across. There's a, there's a doctor that lives there. Their house is for sale right now. It's got a big pool. You know what I'm saying? On the left side of that road where you're going up towards. Yep. Yeah. Hey, doctor. Yep. Okay, Dr. Sevy. So there's an electric box on that loop road right by just past his yard. Yep. On the edge of his yard. That lion deliberately walked like he could give two shits about me to that electrical box. Crossed the road turned around sat on his haunches and turned and looked at me like what are you going to do about this i got in the truck and i drove at it and honked and it and just took two bounds and it was off into um but my house where i lived at that time was shemp's place just up the hill mm-hmm. um up, up above that in mountain plains too and i was like no way but that thing could have cared less i mean it'd give a shit but it wasn't a big shit you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Well, the most cats that I've seen are 2.30 in the morning when I'm plowing snow. I've seen several cats. Really? Yeah. Around town? Yeah. I'll, I'll probably, instead of going to the airport, turning around and going going south. What's that subdivision back there? Over by the airport? Centennial Hills. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, way back up, up yeah, by that. Seven Downs back in yeah. there, behind yep. there. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah, there's two of them. There's two subdevelopments up there. Yeah, I've seen seven, eight cats back there. Oh, I bet. Plowing snow. Yep. Really? Yeah, I could see that. Running down the road in front of the 
truck. Well, they obviously come into town because we have the only deer population that migrates, or one of the only white-tailed deer population migrates. All those deer migrate into town, and so these cats just follow them out out of the high country. Yeah, we, we've had them in deep. our neighborhood. Yeah, they just come on in and go, hey, where's – where's? I mean, it's a dinner bell ringing for them all the time. Well, that cat you were talking about in town was – they tranked it out of the tree, and it was in Kelly Bros' backyard. Really? The gal from Common Grounds. Oh, oh really? Yeah, it was in their backyard. The, isn't that right on the river there or on the creek? It's on the creek, but, I mean I, – I didn't know they were coffee lovers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as, the right. crow, as the crow flies, that was what probably the? a mile from the yeah, high school. I'd be right. That'd be right. Mile from the high school. Yeah. Sitting right wow. there in town. Wow. Mm. And what'd they do with that cat? They tranked it and then released it back up in the hills somewhere. Really? Sit. Let well, it come back again the next time. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was it? It was in the paper. I think it was a 90-pound male. Mm. So it was a young juvenile. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Getting out of Dodge, trying to find his own way, wanders into town, ends up going, what the hell am I doing in here? <laughs> <laughs> Sits up in a tree. And uh, somebody sees him and says, uh, you got you to gotta go. Yep. <laughs> yeah, cats are interesting. You know, people think that there's, there, there's not very many of them, but there are a lot of cats. And so you look at Colorado. Colorado has a giant elk population. They have a giant cat population. Um, you know, they have a lot of predators. I've seen more bobcats hunting Colorado than I've seen hunting anywhere else in the country. They obviously have a lot of coyotes. Col- uh, Colorado has a lot of black bears. And so you think of... The fawn mortality rate by predators, coyotes, bobcat, mountain lion, and black bears. And then you add the hunter that brings the money to, you know, the communities Mm -hmm. and to the resource. And now you just add wolves. What's your thoughts on that, Big Craig? I am an anti-wolf guy. I think they should open the season on them in every state. Yeah, they just released, what, 24 more of them in um, Colorado a couple weeks ago. They got them from Utah. It was their last batch. They said they're done for the year in Colorado. but like Utah, 24. I thought they got them from Oregon. Um, was it Oregon? Maybe. I don't remember. Maybe you're right. What was it? They, they no, you're right. Released, it was Oregon. They just released 24 more Yeah. in Colorado. In Colorado. Colorado already had wolves. So what did they do this just for a political posturing so they can put an exclamation mark they on had the an, fact that they put these yeah, fucking wolves yeah, back me. in the Rocky Mountains <laughs> everywhere? Well, you've yeah. Have you heard what they've done in Wisconsin? You know. Yeah, and then the elk population they put yeah right before I was leaving they put two million dollars into the elk. They said we're going to put them in the Schwamigan National Forest. So they drop them off there and then go ahead. What they do there t- two years later? Well, then there's another population of wolves that they From let the go UP. in in the Black River. Black River area. Oh, really? But they dropped, you know, they released them where there's no food. So it's a rancher's delight. So all those wolves that they let go in the woods, well, they just migrated south to where the cornfields are, where the alfalfa and beans are, because that's where the deer are. So wolves are covering up Wisconsin now. They are. Now, they had a wolf season for a while in Wisconsin, but then Madison um kibosh it is that not right i think they still have one but it's do very, they but it's very limited and and then once the number registered said wolves are killed then they shut it down kind of like yeah kind of like the cat season here it's kind of like i the think they're going to be reviewing that again here pretty short, pretty soon in wisconsin in wisconsin yeah but it's cost a lot of money because That's interesting i didn't know that i have a buddy of mine that has a pheasant farm and well the black river is not far from you 
Not where I grew up. Right. No. And the DNR has paid to fence in his... Pheasant farm. Yes. With high fence. Well, I got to tell you. So, um, I live west of town, um, two miles exactly from the Wyoming border. And this summer... Every night, coyotes everywhere. And I have a thermal. And so I'm looking at these coyotes three-quarters of a mile away, a mile and a half away. And, um, and then they're blowing up right outside the house one day. So there's five coyotes 75 yards from my front door. Well, I go on a hunt, and I don't know where it was, Tajikistan or somewhere. Um, and Lindley calls and says, those coyotes were serenading last night 80 yards from the house. She woke up the next morning, gut pile, wipe the deer out like nothing so you know you, you just think of the coyote devastation now you add what's a coyote weigh uh, average 30 pounds 35 pounds you know i'm um, not 50 um so 25 25 30 yeah 25 30 now what's a wolf what are these wolves weigh that they just threw into the wild in uh, wisconsin or colorado i don't know what a big wolf weighs 70 uh, these were younger ones i looked at the list they were pretty young so 70 pounds, though? Yeah, I would say Not top, 100, top 120. End. Yeah, I'd say 65 to 70. Yeah. So they're, you know, uh, 50%, 100%, 120% bigger than a coyote. And a coyote can kill at will with three or four of them. What can, uh, what can three or four wolves do? Oh. <laughs> and, what can a, and what can a cat do? I mean, house cats are killing mother truckers. You know, and a wolf has no predators, you know. None. Nothing well, hunts a wolf. Yeah, didn't they say they did a study in the Bitterroot? I think. Now, this is this is from Memory Bank, so it might not be. But I'm pretty sure they were having trouble with uh, their wildlife populations, and they thought it was the wolves. Well, apparently they, they had a lion problem, too. Lions were whacking more than well, – I mean, so wolves got to get to almost get together two or three of them, and um, I, I, I think it was the uh, the last Alaska Wolfman um, was a book that Dwight Grubrud had um, sent to me, and it was an amazing book, and it was the notes of an Alaska trapper that lived outside of Denali, and he went up there, and he was a he was a um, market hunter, killed sheep and caribou for all the people coming up there and sold the meat, and uh, um, anyway, do you have the book? By Jim, uh, Jim Reardon. Yes, Jim Reardon. Okay, so I oh, read yeah. that book. Yeah. It's super. Re- read that whole thing. What was the name of it? Alaska. Uh, Alaska. Alaska's Wolfman, the 1915 to 55 Wilderness Adventures of Frank Blazer. So you got to read that. If anybody, if anybody listening wants to read a good book, it's a good book. It has notes in there of his. Uh, um, uh, of you know because he worked for fish and game or um the state of alaska and he said that the big misnomer is people think that wolves grow up and they grab their prey by the neck and that's what they do but they don't they hunt they have their most they have their cunt most cunning their fastest and then they have their most endurant ones and they're super organized in the death of their their prey and what they do is they don't that they run in and they rip the paunch open they try to gut them running does that make sense uh, bite their achilles heel break them down in the back part the but nine out of ten times what they try to do is they try to get at that paunch that soft part and rip them open and then just 
um, run the guts right out of them, and then they tear them apart um, alive. Yeah. Because they don't give yeah. a shit. They're ruthless murderers. Nice. Now, you think about that takes three to four wolves to do something like that to get organized, right? Yeah. You think about a 160-pound lion, a 150-pound lion. What would you have had a chance against that lion if you didn't know he was there? You weighed 270, six foot four and some change. Okay, work out five days a week. If that lion would have grabbed you from above, what would your chances have been of making it, Craig? Probably zero. Zero. <laughs> How about you, Brad? That line, the last uh, lion you killed. Craig, was- if Craig is zero, I'm 50. <laughs> <laughs> 50% chance? Or, oh, yeah. Or negative 50. <laughs> 50, maybe 70. I don't know. If that thing jumped on your back and you didn't know it, you know. You'd break your neck in a second. It would. Yeah, you wouldn't even know it. You wouldn't. Did you hear about that bow hunter in Buffalo County this year that shot? No. That cat? In Buffalo County, Wisconsin? Yeah. No, really? Yeah, it was in the paper. I read it. it. Deer hunting, it came through. He was deer hunting, and this cat came by his stand, and he watched it, and he said it went probably 100 yards past the stand. He kind of lost sight of it. And the next thing you know, this cat is sitting at the bottom of his stand looking up at him. From behind? He was right in front. on the ground, yeah. you know, but he was up in a tree stand. Right. And it was up there looking at him. And he got nervous because he figured that cat backtracked yep. him to the yep. tree. Of course it yep. did. And yep. knew he was there. And he thought that, you know, in two seconds that cat would be in your lap. And he shot it. And the right. DNR... Gave him a pass because he felt intimidated. Ooh, you know. Of course he did. I, wow. I got to tell you a quick story. One of the, the the most scared I've ever been in the in in hunting in my career of hunting was um, we were living in Baronet, Wisconsin. Lindley and I had a little farm right after uh, we got married. Our first little place was thirty eight acres, um, just north, uh, just east of Baronet, Wisconsin. Okay, which is fourteen to fifteen miles north of Cumberland. And you know the northern Wisconsin, everything's separated by 15 miles because that's all the railroad could get in a summer. And then they would set up camp at the end of the railroad, and that would be the next settlement, which ultimately turned into towns. So if you ever want to know why northern Wisconsin, the northern half of north of Highway 8, is settled in 15-mile increments on all of these roadways, it's because of um, the, the Weyerhaeuser family that was funding the railroad to get to the timber. And uh, who'd your dad work for? Consolidated. Consolidated, and that, that was another big company. So if, if like, and and we're a deed comp, a deed state. I say we. I don't live in Wisconsin, but it's a deed state. So you can go back on the abstract on the deed and see who originally owned and bought the land. Yeah. So it's super cool. Anyway, yeah. I digress. So I'm up in northern Wisconsin hunting, and I just Lindley and I just got married. And bought her a bow, and we were shooting 3D tournaments all over. And Lindley said, uh, I said, hey, would you like to go hunt? And she goes, I would. So I said, I'm going to put you in this stand. Here's what's going to happen. It's on the edge of a cornfield. There's a finger that comes out. I said, um, there are bear in this cornfield. I know that for sure. But they won't bother you. And she said, that's okay. Um, about two weeks earlier, she was on her way from work home. And, like, we were pretty remote out in the country. And she saw some black lab puppies on the side of the road, so she thought that it was peculiar that these black lab puppies were on the side of the road. So she pulled over to, to rescue them. And when she opened the door, they stood up on their hind leg, and they were little baby black bears. So Lindley goes, oh, so I shut the door and drove home, right? So I said, well, there's black bears in this field, so they might be there. She goes, that's okay. She goes, are you going to come get me? I am. And I said, if they start coming up the tree, just holler. 
And but there's going to be deer come by you. So I'm like, okay. So I said, I'll pick you up just moments after dark, okay? And I'll drive the truck up the fence line to get you, and I'll have lights on you. Just stay right here. She said, I'm excellent. This is going to be awesome. I'm ready to go bow hunting. So she was, where are you going to be? I said, I'm going across down here. I'm going back in a mile um, to the backside of the lake, and uh, um, I'm going to hunt in the forest a ways. And so she said, okay. So I go get in my stand, and I'm not there 30, 40 minutes, and I hear crunch, 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 and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So I get an arrow knocked. I get up in my uh, stand up in my tree stand, and I'm looking, and here comes a black spot. And I'm like, oh, I got a black bear coming. And here comes another black spot. And I'm like, oh, I got two black bears coming. And here comes another black spot. And I'm like, oh, I got three black bear coming. And, and then here comes another black spot. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, I'm being inundated by a black bears. Well, what happened was it was a cub with three um, young. And so they're just parked down eating the same acorns that I'm hunting on. And I'm like, okay, it's getting dark. I got to go. Well, so they know I'm up there because I've kind of made a few noises and they've looked up at me. So I go to let my bag down and my bow. Um, actually, it was my bag and my quiver, and then I was going to let my bow down. Secondly, it hits the ground, and they, they, that female must have thought that I was another black bear because she turned and she barked like you've never heard and started popping her teeth like crazy at that pack that hit the ground. And the damn cubs ran up the tree next to me. Oh, oh, and she is just pissed off. So now I'm yelling at the bear, out of here, bear, out of here. And she's down there popping her teeth at me. And me and this bear are having a standoff. And my arrows are on the ground. So I reel my bag back up, grab an arrow, knock it. And I'm yelling at the bear, yelling at the bear. Finally, about 35, 40 minutes later, I got my flashlight on. The, the one cub goes down. The other cub gets about to the bottom of the tree. She rounds them up. But I can hear her popping her teeth between me and where I got to walk out at. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, man. And it's getting late, and it's darker and darker. Meanwhile, Me back. <laughs> meanwhile, the other tree stand. Meanwhile, back during another zip code, exactly. Lindley's going, where the f- is my husband, and why is he not here? It's pitch black. So anyway, I get her about 9 o'clock that night, and I, I swear to God, I, I got to the edge of that um, timber, and there was an open alfalfa field, and I don't think I've ever ran so oh, fast oh, in man. my life. Dude, I was <laughs> my pants. I was scared that that bear was tracking me. Here I go pick up Lindley, and Lindley goes, this is awesome. What? And she goes, what? And I go, I told her what happened. She goes, this is great. I'm never going hunting again. <laughs> and I go, well, did you have any deer come by? Yes. And I go, why didn't you shoot one? She goes, they were all moms with uh, um, babies. I, I wasn't shooting one of them. And I go, um, she goes, and then there was a young one with just little teeny horns, and he was as beautiful as you've ever seen. And she goes, I just don't think I'm cut out to be a hunter, and I'm never going back in a tree where I know bear can run me oh back boy. up there. So oh anyway. Boy. Wow. That was uh, uh, my Wisconsin, not a lion hunt, but uh, <laughs> a bear your pants coming out of the woods. And, uh, you know, here I am, 23, four years old, thinking I'm the toughest thing on planet Earth, and I'm cowering like a little chicken running out of the woods because of some black bears that man. had me up a tree. So, Wow. Anyway. Well, I, I, one quick question for Craig. How many, uh, how many book lines do you think they took out in that area where you were hunting with that outfitter a year? I know last year they took three. Did they? Yep, all three were. 
but they for the non-residents. Yep. The one before you was a giant too. Oh, the, the two that year were ahead of me were giants. Yep. Yeah. And yours was a giant. Yep. And that's honestly, if you're looking wow. for a lion hunt, you got to get a hold of us, 605-644-8000, or go to rollingbones.com and go to info at rbohome.com. Just send us an email. We'll follow up with you. Um, but uh, we do fill up with them. But they're a boutique outfitter. They don't advertise a bunch. Um, they are sheep hunters. Look at that big lion skull. That's the cool thing about them. i got to tell you is their skulls. Their eyes are so far forward, huh? Well, I can tell you that if, if somebody wants to shoot a big cat, that's where I would go. That's where you'd go. I mean, those guys, I'm not kidding when I say they will do anything. They will hunt daylight till dark. I mean, I got there that night, and the next morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, we were, were out, gone. We were out looking, trying, looking for tracks. What would you think of it when, it when he hit the ground, you went up to him? What was your first thoughts and emotions? Relieved. I mean, because after that cat went 13 miles, I mean, I didn't want to chase it any further. <laughs> right. You know, and I was just it not, half marathon, right? Yeah, and I mean, and I was literally shocked at how once he was on the ground, how big he actually was. Right. Just how the is it the enormity the the just the enormous size? I mean, they're just big animals. I mean, it looked big up in the tree, but when he was on the ground, I mean, he was. I mean, and, and then I had to go pick him up. You know, and they want to take pictures, and I'm holding this thing, and I'm like, hurry up and take these pictures, man. I'm getting tired. You know what's funny is we'll put the picture out on social media and um, and Instagram, Rolling Bones uh, Outdoors on Instagram and Facebook. We'll put that up tomorrow. But the fact of the matter is just remember 270, six foot four, uh, middle line, outside linebacker for Wisconsin, and uh, um, in great shape, not a little guy. Honestly, how big are your arms? I know they're an inch shorter than mine. Uh, but how big are they? Uh, 21 still? Probably. Yeah, probably 21. So I just want to give perspective to this fucking cat. Morning for 21.2 Yeah, because mine are like 22, so it's an inch shorter than mine. No, I'm teasing. So when but I, I, wait to, I wait to measure them until the morning after my workout. <laughs> exactly. But here's a guy who's in the gym all the time, has kept himself in great shape. And when you look at this cat, you, it's still, I'm like, Brad goes when he first saw the picture, Brad goes, can you imagine what that cat would have looked like with an average size guy holding it? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, you're a giant of a man. Yeah, I mean, it's a big cat. And and, and he still looks giant. If, a, if Brad would have been holding that cat, we wouldn't even have seen Brad. <laughs> Well, you, if Brad was holding that cat, you wouldn't have got a picture of him holding it. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even nice. Oh, oh my God. Poor Brad. I am starting to feel sorry for Brad a little bit. Wait, you, that went away. But they'll, but they'll see the pictures on social media, yeah. and the cats, mine wasn't the biggest one they killed. I mean, they killed bigger ones than mine last year. Right. And it was oh. still a giant. Yeah. But we'll put Brad's uh, cat on social media, too. Because, um, Brad, I see you just sent a picture over of that one um, when you used to wear that polka dot camo stuff. Right? Um, but that's <laughs> a giant cat. Yeah, that's a big boy. And what he, was he 165? I think so. Was, you know, it was a long time ago. I went, what was the date of that? So I don't even remember when I shot those. When you, know? you walked up to that cat, what did you think? Holy shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, weren't, yeah. weren't you honestly, like, just enamored with it? Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, that was in 2012, or yeah. at least that's when 
that's when that guy sent me that picture. He re, he uh, lightened it up a little bit. So I don't know if that was 2012 or when it was. That's the date of that email. And I killed a 93-pound cat, and I was I was happy to do it. I was just running down. It was actually a cancellation hunt when I went on. They called me and said, hey, we had a guy cancel, want to come in. We got a couple tracks. We can go kill you a good cat. Um, and, and not going to be the biggest thing, but if you want to come down and we can get you in and out, we'll do it. Great outfitter. Um, loved him. Uh, treated me super well. I, I ran down there, uh, shot a 93-pound female. But when I got up to the cat, and it's not a big cat at all, I still sat there and went, holy shit, this is a big cat. I mean, this is a big cat. You know what I'm saying? At 93 pounds, I can't imagine a 175-pound cat. You know, for me, it was, I mean, I've seen several cats in the dark, you know, plowing snow at 2.33 o'clock in the morning, get several tra- trail cam pictures of cats, always mm-hmm. in the dark. I've never had a daylight trail cam picture of a cat than to actually see a live cat in the daylight up in a tree. I mean, it was pretty mm. exhilarating because mm-hmm. everything I'd ever seen was in the dark. Right. Oh, yeah. It is exhilarating. Well, that's awesome, man. Thanks for coming in and doing this. Yeah, no We appreciate it. Apologize Brad couldn't be here, but um, he probably would have been. But um, I'm against him getting everybody sick anymore because he's been sick since we've got home from um, Tajikistan. I think this is the third or fourth time he's ran a fever and he's had, uh, you know, either influenza or COVID. So at 57 years old, 58 now, um, Brad's uh, slowing down a little bit. Slowing down today, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm teasing, Brad. We do appreciate you jumping on Zoom tonight and not being in your normal chair. I will tell you, in, in great honor of you, we have you sitting on your chair right now. Um, so you are in your spot. Um, but anyway, um, and uh, um, I also want to make sure um, Bleep is um, here today. Um, I just want all our listeners to know because I think it's important for you to know um, that um, Bleep is struggling with some uh, health issues. And so anybody that uh, cares to be a little bit involved in the word of prayer, okay, Bleep could use, and all of us here at Rolling Bones could use uh, some prayers for Bleep um, to come his way and uh, um, have God's hand on his healing. And uh, we appreciate you, Bleep. And I know you want to kill me right now. That's why I'm giving you the bird off camera. Okay, okay. Um, So you you don't even say nothing about it. I I don't even care. I don't even care. You can't, you can say what you want. Well, in your own inimitable style, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're, well, you know what? We appreciate you, and, and we're, we're uh, praying for um, good health, speedy recovery, and that we identify a solution to some of the issues. Um, we'll just leave it at that. But if you so feel so inclined, um, we'd appreciate you keeping bleep in your thoughts and prayers. Um, hey, listen, it's 2024. Uh, it is booking season right now and application season. Next week's podcast will be number 200, and we're going to do it on the great state of Wyoming, okay? Um, Our nemesis and um, not our nemesis, all at one place, the the unbelievable state of Wyoming. We're going to talk about the ins and outs, ups and downs, what we've seen, uh, our successes in Wyoming, Wyoming, our failures in Wyoming, and uh, why you might be interested or might not be interested in hunting Wyoming. But we're going to give you Wyoming in the raw for our 200th episode and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Brad and I will be on uh, there next week, and it will be number 200. So we appreciate you listening. Um, if you uh, are interested in the hunt that uh, I call him Big Craig is uh, was just on, go ahead and give us a call, 605-644-8000, or you can call us at ro- or get a hold of us at info at rbohome.com, info at rbohome.com. 
If you have a podcast you'd like, uh, send us that uh, information at hello at rbohome.com. Bleep is making a list, and we are getting ready for 2024. And if you think you have an unbelievable, compelling reason to be on this podcast, we'd also like to open it up to you. Um, give us a synopsis of what you're thinking and why you think uh, you'd like to be on with us. And if we do have you on, we'll give you a, uh, an amazing gift package and uh, um, have you be a part of what we're doing. We appreciate you so much listening. Until next week, be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting.